This is Coach Jim Guevara. You're listening to Follow Your Spirit. Very well. Well, I'm just going to assume that you're ready, Jason, and we're going to get going. Jason Anderson from Black and Red United. Filling in for Jordan Small, who has run off to college and is doing, uh, what do they call it, RA? Is that what it's called, RA? Or the, when yeah. You're like, when you're the, like, yeah. the assistant or what, what is it, registered? I don't know. A resident assistant. There we go, resident assistant. I'm sorry, Jordan, yeah. that, I, that I messed that up. But <laughs> uh, Jordan was up there. She was in, in RA training, and she, uh, she did the responsible thing and focused on that and not being able to uh, get on a podcast. So I invited Jason Anderson to join us. Sir, thank you so much for, for coming on. I'm glad to be on. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's it's been fun in the past, and I'm sure it'll be fun today. Yeah, hopefully. Um, let's. Uh, let, I got a bunch of tabs open because it's been almost three weeks uh, since we have put out a podcast because of uh, sort of the the gaps in uh, in Jordan and I's schedule. Um, but plenty has happened in that three weeks. Let's let's briefly start with the two zero loss to Seattle. Um, in Seattle, um, I guess it was sort of, I don't know if there's really much more to say about this game other than not surprised. Like, I don't know. I didn't really feel any different way other than like, Oh, well that's not like it went about as much as I expected. Is there anything exceptional that came out of the game that, that you have in your notes? Uh, I mean, I will, I guess I've got this forum now. I can uh, say that I did predict in uh, a chat with some other NWSL writers that this the score of that game would be two nothing Seattle. So um, at least I got that right. Uh, but yeah, that, you know, they, they played the three, five, two that they tried um, in the, the postponed game, the game that was played Sunday morning that wasn't uh, available for people to see on stream. So there were very few of us that actually witnessed it um, in that, that delayed game. They played it very well. I actually, it's kind of, it's kind of spirit 2018 that no one got to saw them. Uh, no, no one got to see them play at a pretty good level. They actually possessed the ball. They looked fairly sharp. Um, but going to Seattle is a much different task than hosting Houston. And the game kind of went as you'd expect. They weren't outright bad, but it wasn't, uh, you know, two nothing. Seattle feels like an accurate reflection of the game that was played. Sure. Uh, Jasmine Spencer with a, uh, a goal in the 44th, Jody Taylor with a goal in the 71st. Um, I guess maybe, um, you know, Didi in, in goal, I guess maybe is, you know, did we see anything from her? And there's other games, of course, to talk about, but just mm. on this, on the Seattle game, anything from that game specifically that suggests that, Hey, maybe she's going to, maybe she's someone the the speed are looking to keep around for a while. Uh, I mean, maybe just the fact that they, they looked her way in a game at Seattle where, you know, it's pretty much the the place that Spirit Seasons uh, passed. It's pretty much the worst venue uh, for them to go visit. Uh, they've never won at Memorial. I think they've got – I don't even think they have a draw at Memorial. I think that their win and draw both came before they moved to Memorial. So um, giving her the nod in a game of that, you know, historical difficulty and this season, you know, Seattle's very good. So um, it's a nod of, of confidence in her. Um but beyond that, I don't think there was much she could do in this game. It was just uh, Seattle is very, very good, and this year the Spirit have not been very, very good, and that kind of that kind of uh, was shown throughout this one. 
Yeah, I mean, looking at the numbers, it's a little bit more of that story. Uh, you know, Seattle had about 54% of the possession. They had 22 shots, but only got six of them on goal. That shot on goal percentage really isn't all, isn't that good. So, um, you know, that's, that's kudos to the spirit for being able to, uh, you know, to be able to avoid uh, that many shots on frame. But unfortunately, uh, a couple get through. Spirit had 12 shots, only two on target, and, and obviously couldn't get any through. Um, but... As disappointing as it was, of course, to to you know open your Twitter feed and see that they did in fact take the two zero loss. If you were watching or following uh, the um, the game in Houston on the road, uh, you probably uh, I don't know I, I'm willing to say it's probably the most disappointed I've been in the spirit all season. Um, is that too, is that too severe of a statement or even in a disappointing season? Is it, is it fair to say like, man, that's gotta be the worst game this year? I think it's completely fair. Um, I think, you know, even in games where it hasn't felt like the spirit had much of a chance, they haven't been that far out. I mean, this Seattle game, um, the last time they played at North Carolina, they only lost two nothing, and they, you know, there were stretches of both of those games where there's a long time where it's only one nothing, and you just need one good bounce or whatever. Um, this Houston game, even you know, it took them 41 minutes to get their first goal, uh, but that whole 41 minutes was like, when are the dash going to score? Um, it just it felt like the entire game was waiting for the dash to get their breakthrough, and then when they got it. Um, you know, Spirit had to go in the locker room. It was, it was a late in the first half goal. They had to go to the locker room and pull it together, and they came out, and it was there was no real response. Um, and from there, Houston kept banging at the door. They got the second goal, and then you could start to see the res- you saw a response from the Spirit, but it was more discouraged than they were before that. Um, and from there, they they were just a defeated team mentally, and the dash kept going because um, you know the dash their playoff hopes are slim. They have to keep winning games and they might be in a goal difference scenario. So uh, there was no holding back for them. And they ended up um, Huerta's second goal was a lot like her first goal in that she just made a run that no one picked up. And um, yeah, it was a, it was a extremely rough game to watch. Um, It was not pleasant having to write about it. Uh, I (laughs) can only imagine, you know, for the players to, to, to have to tough that one out. Um, how miserable it was. I give some credit to, you know, Andy Sullivan kept going. Um, she had that shot off the crossbar uh, that probably left a dent. Um, she almost set up a goal through uh, fighting for a header in the box to knock it down. But, um, you know, that was those moments were kind of it for the whole team on the night. It was just a, a team whose season has really been miserable and it kind of came to a head. Um, not, you know, it wasn't like people were yelling at each other um, or being negative. It just there was no it's almost like when you see people fight, at least, you know, that they're still um, fully engaged. But when they kind of go numb, that's when you should really worry. And the spirit looked like they kind of went numb uh, for this game. Uh, you mentioned the dash fighting for uh, what could be a playoff contention. They currently have 29 points. Uh, Utah Royals with 32 in the fourth uh, place, uh, fourth place in the standings. Um, so that's that's a win, right? That's a win away from uh, from possibly you know fighting for uh, what could be a playoff spot. So Houston with every reason to to fight. Um, 
you know, when we were at the Audi uh, press conference, what do you want to call it? Media Day. That's it, Media Day. When we were at Media mm-hmm. Day at Audi Field, um, we brought up the idea of playing spoiler. And I we brought it up during the conference. I talked to a, a few of the players about it, and they admitted that, yeah, even, you know, like this, the game's cool and everything, but, like, the opportunity to... Uh, to you know, play spoiler against a team does you know does bring some motivation. So, um, I mean, players. I guess there's every reason to believe the players were still motivated um, emotionally, I guess, or mentally, whichever way we don't put it on uh, on playing going into that game. So, um, even so far out of playoff contention, uh, you think you know we would hope you would see something uh, out of the spirit. The spirits, uh, of course, in eighth place in the standings with only 10 points and a negative 22 goal differential. And, uh, you know, plenty of people have said it. They may be in eighth, in eighth place ahead of Sky Blue, but um, I think everybody would agree that the spirit have had a, a worse uh, season uh, than, than Sky Blue have had, uh, especially because Sky Blue – tied with on goal differential with negative 22 and they're winless right so mm-hmm. um you know little little things like that show that uh, the spirits probably with the worst season uh of the of the year yeah and and also you know expectations pay play a big part i think most people looked at sky blue and and um you know during the preseason it seemed like all right sky blue's got some attackers but their defensive issues look like they're gonna overwhelm it um any of those positives on the attacking side. And I kind of felt like the, at least, you know, my memory of it now, it could be, you know, I'm misremembering, but my memory was that people thought sky blue and Houston would be the bottom two. And then after that, the spirit, there were some folks that had the spirit contending for a playoff spot. I I thought that was going to be one year too soon. Um, But I still thought they would be maybe in a position like Houston or Utah is in now where, um, we'd be sitting here saying, you know, if the Spirit can beat Portland and beat Sky Blue in the season finale, maybe they squeeze into the playoffs, maybe. Yep. Um, and instead, um, you know, the play- talking about playoffs with this team has been pretty much a, a lost cause for, you know, a month and a half, two months now. Um, I think so yeah. ha- halfway through the season, North Carolina clinched a playoff spot and the Spirit yeah. mathematically were removed from it. Like, it was almost like, it was so crazy, the the polar opposites that those teams that those teams were uh in that it seemed like almost simultaneously when the spirit were mathematically out of it on the other side of the table you have a team that that almost clinches it halfway through the season i was with you i um i predicted that the spirit in the last two or three games were going to be in a race for a playoff spot um and uh yeah that's uh, that hasn't been the case for 3 months um, oh, hi, with uh, that goal in the 41st, Huerta with a goal in the 58th and a 76th, Simon with a goal in the 84th. Um, nothing really notable, I think, on the in the lineup that they brought up to the field. Um, yeah, just an unfortunate game. And shortly after, what that was with the 17th, mm-hmm. four days later. Uh, the Spirit announced that they part ways with head coach and general manager Jim Gabera. Um, assistant coach Tom Torres has been selected to serve as interim head coach for the Wa- for Washington's final three games, and President Chris Hummer has been appointed general manager. Uh, I don't think this comes as a surprise to anybody. 
right? I think anybody who is a sports fan knows that if a team's not winning, the coach's job's on the line. And last year there was pl- there was so much mix up, right? In in just it almost felt like the team was sort of disjointed in how in all of the movement on per- personnel and stuff like that. Mal didn't come into like came in mid mid season. They you know they, they um you know flat season, not even disappointing, just kind of flat. Mm-hmm. And they come into this season, and Jim Gabera, who does not get the credit he deserves for how great of a general manager he's actually been. Uh, with the spirits and his ability to acquire so much young and inspiring talent cannot get that talent to meld on the field and produce. And I think what has been shocking to me, Jason, and I'm Mm -hmm. curious your thoughts on this, what has been shocking to me, we all remember playing backyard ball, pickup, whatever. And if you put, a team of good people, talented people on the pitch, like you could still like accidentally do well, right? Like there was still talent would still shine through occasionally and you would see some production. But with a roster that includes uh, Rebecca Quinn, Andy Sullivan, Taylor Smith, Salon, MDH, Pew, Ordega, Lavelle, uh, Mallory, well, Mallory hasn't played much. Houston, Johnson, Hatch. Like, not only has there not been just like goals gotten out of just individual talent shining through, sort of what we saw out of Crystal Dunn years ago, there hasn't been any real strength on any of the lines where we have where we felt we were stacked with talent. And so I, I guess. I guess the blame does have to go to the coach, but I also it's also still weird to me that that group of people, when any variation of those of those people the, of those women that are on the on the pitch, can't shine through have have moments of shining through and getting goals. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, broadly, yeah. Uh, the fact that. When you have uh, a team that goes, you know, they've got two wins in 22 games, um, even before you can get into what the roster looks like, um, you've got to assume that something's gone wrong. Um, And it might not even be that the ideas were bad. It might be that the ideas uh, just weren't communicated well, or maybe the players collectively had a a different preference for how to play. Maybe, you know, there's some stuff in terms of morale, uh, you know, the the player management, the psychological side that that wasn't working. Um, but something I feel like was lost in translation from the training ground to game day um, with this group, because there's not, you know, this team has enough talent, even even when you account for injuries. And, um, you know, the spirit did a lot to get. Mal Pugh and and Rose Lavelle onto the roster and then up until you know this this game the from yesterday is the first time they both played over one hour in the same game together sure um and you know we're in game 22 of a 24 game season it finally happens um you know so that that certainly plays its part and and you know it's not just those two that have been out um Tori Huster has missed missed time at the beginning of the season has missed time now down the stretch um, 
you know, the, the injuries are, are kind of all over the roster. Franny Ortega has been in and out of, of the team all year. Um, and you, I, I feel a little bit like some of it is just um, a, a mix of bad timing. You know, Havana Salon is a good example where um, Pugh and Lavelle were injured and, and you know, Lavelle had a setback after her first few games of, of making appearances. But then Salon also got hurt. Um at the same time. And so the window where she would have been uh, a logical player to plug in, all of a sudden she can't play either. And now you don't even have uh, a number 10 um, or a traditional number 10 anywhere uh, within the team. And you've got to make a, a different kind of team. You know, And that's just one example. Um, it, it seemed like this year was a kind of a perfect storm of some, something not working uh, as far as the coaching staff's relationship with the players Um bad luck uh you know there are game there have been games where the spirit did create a lot and then the ball just won't go in um uh and then you know the the players also will probably be the first people to tell you that they also haven't played up to their own standards um i I don't think there's a player on the roster that would say that they're happy with their performance this season and it's not from a you know unhealthy place it's you know I, I think it's pretty healthy when you're not playing very well to look at yourself in the mirror and say like what am I doing wrong and I think just about everyone on the roster would have a lot of answers for themselves uh when asking themselves that question so it's been a lot of different things it's not it's hard to pinpoint one thing that went wrong so much as it's just a bunch of different things going wrong all at the same time um and, you know, as you said, in, in pro sports, when you're down at the bottom of the standings, any coach's job is going to be on the line. And it's also a situation where you're in the middle of the season and you've decided you have to make a change. You can't trade all your players away. Um, so you have to if you're going to make a change to how your team goes about their business, the coach is always going to be the the, the person that gets looked at. Um, and, and, you know. Certainly there's responsibility there, but I think it's a shared responsibility throughout. I, I don't think you can put it on any one specific thing. There are just so many things that have gone wrong this year. The Spirit, uh, since coming within a minute of winning the 2016 NWSL title, are 7-31-8 with 41 goals for and 74 goals against. Um. I, I guess, unless you're Bill Belichick, I don't think you could survive two utterly disappointing um, seasons with so many expectations and still maintain your job. Um, not that Bill Belichick has done that. I'm just saying he's the only he's the only coach I can think of that could just have two crappy seasons and the fan base will be like, yeah, let's keep him around. Let's, right. let's just keep him around. Uh, although Hugh Jackson has proven that you can go one in thirty one and still keep your job. So, anyways, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, back to soccer. Um, I want to say one thing about this whole this this whole thing that happened with Jim Cabrera's firing. Uh, Jason, you're not. I'm not requiring you to comment. You're welcome to if you'd like to. If not, that's perfectly fine. But I want to say something. In a community that preaches love, respect, lack of hate, um, like embracing each other, there has been so many disgusting and disrespectful things said about Jim Gabera since his firing. And there are members of this fan base that 
I honestly think should be sort of ashamed of themselves in the uh, in in how they have commented on a coach that, um, from what we can tell, did his best to set up this team for success. And when you look back at that roster and you look back at the decisions that he made in two off seasons, made a lot or three off seasons, made have, have did a lot, made a lot of unpopular decisions to give this roster a bunch of young, inspired talent. And um, there's plenty of reasons to criticize him. I'm not saying that. Um, I definitely have my – I've definitely been critical of him. Um, I've tried asking him tough questions in multiple times that I know he won't answer, uh, but I still ask him um, to try to get something out of him. But the, the commentary from some of the fan base on the day of Jim's firing – uh, was disheartening, um, and uh, especially when uh, some of those people I know are ones who would quickly um, attack anybody for saying like-minded things uh, about about a player uh, or anybody else in the league for that matter. So um, I just wanted to say that uh, Jim Gaber has been very good to follow your spirit. Um, from what I can tell, he's been very good to the rest of the media that uh, has attended the games. Um, and we tip our hats to Jim and, and hope that he stays around in the game and continues to influence it in some way. Uh, I mean, I, I can definitely second um, the fact that whenever whenever we talk to Jim, uh, me or, or Caitlin Buckley um, with Black and Nerd United, we uh, even, you know, this season and last season have both been going really badly. Um, they've been, you know, these are very competitive. Anyone that's in uh, – professional sports is, is hyper competitive and it gnaws, it gnaws away at, at all of them when, when, you know, they lose one game, it gnaws at them much less a whole season of it. Um, and I've heard of and been around, uh, situations where the coaching staff does not want anything to do with, uh, talking to anybody about what's going on or why is this not working out? Um, and, Jim never took it out on us asking him any questions. Um, he always tried to um, keep a sense of humor about it. I know um, during one press conference to try and ward off an injury curse, he he knocked on uh, Jordan's head um, <laughs> in hopes that it might uh, fix things. Um, you know, even after some of their the roughest games of the year, um, he still – was willing to come out there and, and, you know, he could have easily said, I don't want to talk to them tonight. And that would have been it. We were, you know, there's no recourse at that. We can't chase him into uh, the, uh, the discovery center and, and go into his office and force him to talk to us. Um, but he always was willing to, to, you know, stand in, in front of us and take the questions after whatever happened. Um, and, you know, there were times he got upset, maybe not at the question, but at the circumstances I know, uh, last year after a loss to North Carolina at home, um, he was very, I think, not so much upset as just frustrated at the fact that, um, you know, there there were accusations that he wasn't looking after uh, players from a fitness perspective. And he was talking about how he rotated more than anyone and uh, North Carolina would never rotate and North Carolina just kept winning games. Um, and, and it almost seemed more like, anger at like the fates like how is this you know we're following good protocol and it's still going against us what have we done wrong um but yeah he was always generous with his time um you know 
I went out to training early this season and I was the only uh, media there and he was still willing to talk to me for a solid 10 minutes, uh, even though it was, I think, the first or second week of preseason. It was, you know, several players weren't there. A lot of pieces weren't in place. And he was um, still willing to talk to me about some some broader plans for the season and all that stuff, which he could have been like, look, we don't know what we're doing. Not everyone's here. And that's all I can say. Um, so, yeah, he, he was always willing to take that extra time. I think he understood that. And I think a lot of folks in this league understand that um, it's partially promotional work. Yeah. Um, players and coaches, it's not it's not part of their contract. They don't get any extra money for it. They they should all get extra money, um, but they bear some weight as far as getting the public to come out to these games. Um, even in the aftermath of the press conference on a media day. Um, I heard him mention uh, something about how the team was going to be promoting the game. Um, and that was on his mind, even though he's head coach and GM, he's still also thinking about um, how to get people to come out and watch the NWSL, how to come watch or how to get people to come out and watch the Washington spirit. So um, I think in terms of dedication, I don't think there's any questions about that. I think um, there's definitely room to criticize uh, the way the last two seasons went. Of course, there's room to criticize, um, you know, tactical decisions, other stuff like that. The um, the the team's injury record, I know um, people have brought it up a lot. I mean, I hesitate to criticize because I don't have medical training and I'm not in training. I don't see why these things are happening if they're just, you know, a lot of the injuries this year, as I've, I've told a few people were contact injuries. Um, you know, Mal Pugh runs into Jane Campbell challenging for a loose ball. That's not an injury that you can get around with training methods. That's just two people ran into each other and something happened. Um, uh, you know, Franny Ortega right now is out because she got stepped on. She's got a foot contusion. Uh, you can't train your way around that one. So in some cases it's just bad luck. Some cases I'm sure there's something more there that, um, we don't see enough of, unfortunately, you know, I don't think any of us that cover the team regularly are close that close to the soccer plex where we can get to training on a regular basis. Um, so it's, it's hard to say exactly what goes on as far as that goes, but, um, I think there's room to criticize, but not necessarily to make it personal. Um, you know, maybe one day, you know, something that none of us know about will come out and then we'll have to reevaluate. But based on what I know, I think what everyone's heard, it, it really should be if you're going to criticize Jim Cabarro, you should be sticking to the the facts of the soccer side of it and, and not necessarily turn it into um, jubilation or personal attacks. It's, you know, you'd be happy that maybe the direction of the team has changed sure. um, and, and maybe you see positive times coming down the road. Um, but I would even, you know, last night after the game, um, Tom Torres, you know, I, I asked him a question. Like, I know there wasn't much time for you to actually change very much. You had one training session. You know what what happens there? And and he went out of his way to make sure that he mentioned that um, Bill Lynch and Chris Hummer and Jim uh, were all involved in bringing him aboard. And he was um, he realizes it's an opportunity, even though it's an awkward kind of opportunity. Um, but he made sure to to thank all three of them by name. And he didn't have to include Jim, but he did. Um, and it's the kind of thing that signals to me that, you know, maybe this was just, um, an issue on the soccer side and it's not necessarily like a villain has been slain. It's just sometimes things don't work in sports and you have to think of a new plan. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, anytime that Jim came over, um, as you mentioned, anytime that Jim came over, he was pretty objective, actually, about what, about how, why he thought the game didn't go the way that, that, that it should have. Um, and he would, he'd be quick to, he'd be quick to criticize his back line, his front line, his midfield, the refs, you know, whatever, whatever, like he, the fans, right? <laughs> you know, like he never criticized the fans. Don't worry. I'm just kidding. That's a joke. But, um, you know, the point, like whenever we asked him questions, he would be quick to criticize a part of the game that he thought, you know, was, was, uh, that contributed most to the lack of success or whatever, however you want to put that. But, um, the, um, to talk about the player state, What's been really interesting about the the talk around um, the player health and player safety over the past couple of years, you know, Jim has been very vocal about player safety, right? He's been he, like like you mentioned, he you know he talked about how you know he's he follows he follows NWSL's protocol and follows you know the the guidelines and stuff like that, and yet they just sort of get unlucky with injuries. Um, he has to be one of the more vocal in game coaches when it comes to um, yelling at coach or yelling at, at officials. For for, for you know not calling contact uh, uh, situations and um, but yet we and the tweet is gone but the day of the firing we see uh, one of the former uh, head trainers for the spirit um, celebrates uh, Jim Cabrera's firing with uh, with t- sort of you know alluding to the idea that he was bad for player safety um, so like I said who knows maybe something will come up. Um, I'm of the belief that there are a lot of strong women on this team that would say something, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, again, like you said, none of us are at the plex, I guess, enough to to really have a beat on that. But um, I feel like, you know, going back to even going back to, you know, the the season that you know he coached Allie Krieger and and stuff that um, that if there was any issues with how they trained that someone would pipe up and someone would say like this th- like this is hurting the team um but who knows i'm not saying that that, ha- that would have happened or, or should have happened but um that's one reason why i'm i'm uh, i'm sort of i'm on the fence on whether or not i think uh training um you know anyways i'll leave it at that um i guess the only other, the, the the two things i guess coming out of that of course are the the shifts in roles um, the first being Hummer becomes uh, GM. I, I would assume, Jason, that they are looking for a head coach that can also assume the general manager position. Would you assume the same thing? Yeah, uh, that seems uh, that's that's what I've been uh, operating under. Um, the, you know, if you're if you're at a game uh, at the Plex, you probably see Chris Hummer all over the place because the, he has a bunch of different jobs, uh, probably some stuff that we don't even know about. Um, so he's got a lot on his desk, and to be GM on top of that, that's a pretty busy job. And I don't think you see too many looking around the leagues. You don't see too many teams where um, someone is in a position where they're team president and also GM. Um you see some some odd situations out there, like in Houston or in, in Portland, where I don't know about Portland, but in Houston, it's definitely the Dash's GM is also the Houston Dynamo's GM, which uh, if if the spirit were ever uh, under an MLS team's roof, I would I would think that would be a pretty odd choice for all involved. But um, that's that's Houston's issue. Um, it just it seems like a very challenging job that takes up a lot of your time. And to 
not to you know if you're already very busy with job a to then have gm on your desk as well is an enormous amount of work so i would assume that they're looking for someone who can and take care of that side of things um but uh who knows um it's not like chris has not been gm of this team before right sure um, if anybody is curious as to what it's like to share the GM and head coaching responsibilities, um, just if you've ever played fantasy sports um, and you've ever seen a difference between how good you are at selecting a lineup any given day or week and how good you are at acquiring and releasing players, that is difference in what you're good at and what you're not good at is sort of like i'm not saying it's that easy but um if if you were ever to try to take something in your personal life and apply and try to have an idea of what it's like in real life it's probably the closest uh the closest you can get because jason i don't know about you i am actually a pretty good gm in fantasy sports i can't put the right lineup in my starting in my in my starting lineup any anytime i play uh, I'm always like, yes, we got that player, and then I'm, and then like I don't know what to do with my lineup after that. Um, anyhow, the uh, the other news, of course, is that Tom Torres is now interim head coach. Um, he started his the first lineup that he chooses uh, in when they host Utah. Uh, Ashley Hatch up front. Uh, the next line is Eubanks, Lavelle, and Pugh. Followed by Sullivan and Church in uh, in the next line in the back line, Adasco, J- Johnson, Quinn, and Smith, which has been a pretty typical line for the back. Um, I guess um, I don't know how did you how did you feel about this first lineup for from Tom Torres? Uh, I wasn't too surprised. Um, the fact that he, as he as he said, they had one training session um, and they had already been um, from the Houston game. They played that same formation. They mostly played the same players um ordega picked up an injury in the game so she was one that i knew someone was going to be stepping in for her. um as far as uh i think it was is church coming in for uh doherty howard um you know after a game like houston there are going to be players uh swapped out just because of how the game went i don't think that's you can't possibly say that the game was all her fault um, or Aubrey Bledsoe's fault that being the other change. Um, that was a collective, everyone on the field playing badly kind of game. Um, but, you know, players, you make changes um, after a game like that. Someone somewhere is, you know, working hard in training and they get their shot. Um, so, yes, yeah, so as far as formation goes, I, I was I would have been very surprised if there was a formation change, given that they had no time to do any of that work. Um so it made, uh, you know, it made sense to me. I, I didn't get it exactly right in my own uh, game preview, but it was definitely one of those where, like, you know, these these three positions, they could have been changed. Um, so, yeah, as far as that goes, not, not a surprise. Um, I don't get the feeling that they're going to deviate too much from this uh, going forward just because after, after the game, Tom uh, told us that, you know, today, uh, Thursday was a, a regen day for everyone that played. And then Friday, they get a training session and then Saturday is game day. Uh, so there's not it, it's a weird situation for him because there's not really any time to implement any real changes. You can plug in different players, uh, but you probably have to stick with the same broad game plan because, you you know, you have one training session, you have a couple hours and maybe you have a video session afterwards. You don't have a lot of time to do anything. Um, so. 
for the most part, I think this group is probably what who is going to play against Portland um, as well. And, and, you know, maybe with a full week between games, that last game might be a little different. But, um, yeah, it, it's it's a weird situation for all of them. And there's not really a lot of time to say um, I have a radically different plan that I think would work with this group. Uh, that's one of those things that they'll have to figure out whether um, in training after the season's over, because I, I think they have um, – I think it's two weeks of training there's a bye week. And then after there, there's another week after that, that I think is, I think, I don't know. I'm not speaking from absolute knowledge, but I think is part of the player contract is just the contract lasts until that next week in September um, where they'll, I, I assume they'll work on some stuff and they'll look into whether those new changes are going to improve the group uh, going forward. And, and yeah, it, it's going to be a weird couple games because on one hand, you want to change a lot after a loss like Houston, after a season like this season has been, but there's no time to actually implement the changes. You mentioned, uh, um, oh goodness, I lost my place. See, I got all these tabs open. This is what happens, Jason. <laughs> um, you know, wh- why do you, so here, I guess this is the last question from, from the drink of bear firing that I, uh, we haven't gotten to yet that I, I think is important to discuss. Why do you think it happened when it did? And I think that was the. I think that was a, a lot. I saw a lot of people hypothesizing about why they thought it happened when it did. Um, was the 04 loss the the nail in the coffin? Um, are they were they trying to make headlines ahead of the Audi Field game? Like that's you know that's maybe part maybe some of it. Um, you know, I I kind of feel bad for Tom Torres for only getting three games, two really, if you think about it, because he didn't really have much time ahead of the Utah game. Uh, really, only having mm-hmm. two games to maybe prove himself is a viable option, right? Um, we knew that if this clearly was something that uh, that has was thought about ahead of time, and if so, why did this happen earlier in the season when there could have been some change involved? Um, you know, why do you think it happened? The you know the week going into what was probably going to be the marquee game of the entire season, and only two weeks before the end of the year. Uh, I mean, I think part of it has to be like you know, up until that game, you had a lot of games where the spirit were second best, but they were still they felt in it. You know, the the game before that, they went to Utah and lost one nothing. They were close with Seattle for a while until they gave up that that second goal to Taylor um, before that they, I thought they actually in the, the postponed game, I thought they actually played probably their best performance of the season. You know, the, the result was the same, but the performance was very good. So um, you contrast games like that with the Houston game where it was just 90 minutes of nothing but bad times for, for anyone that wanted the spirit to do well. Um, maybe, maybe the discussion after that was like, okay, clearly, the team is done um, playing for him. Uh, maybe that the group, you know, it, it could be something that we'll never hear about that. Maybe the group came to the club and said, we have to make a change. Yeah. Or it could be that, you know, you watch that game and maybe you don't even need to be told um, if you're, if you're uh, Bill Lynch and Chris Hummer, maybe you don't even need to be told that the players want to change something because the, the group on the field just was no longer responding. Um, and, I don't know that this is based on a news, uh, you know, a boost in uh, news uh, heading into the game at Audi Field. I don't, 
I don't know that this is the kind of news that would actually help um, get get anyone in the building or get uh, the team in front of uh, news cameras more often. Um, I think maybe it was just, look, the season's been going really badly, but there's bad and then there's there's Houston for Spirit Zero. Um, and maybe that new level of that new low uh, hitting rock bottom um, it was just, you know, we have to do something now, even though it's not a good time, even though it's a really shambolic period to try and make any big changes. It's just it has to be done now. Um, I think maybe it was just the nature of, you know, there's one thing to lose for nothing, um, you know, in the last year. or I guess it was two the 2016 breakers lost a game seven to one and they didn't turn around and fire Matt Beard the, uh, the next day um, because the breakers were still you know, engaged in that game. It just was a nightmare kind of game. This was a game where it just didn't seem like the spirit emotionally had anything left, um, any connection left to what was happening uh, in the game. And when that happens, you have to do something. Uh, and so they did, you know, they they made the, at that point, I think the logical choice uh, after a game like that, you, you kind of have to do something. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so, here we go. We're going into uh, we're going into Audi Field, August twenty fifth. Uh, it's uh, the stadium's beautiful. Um, it looks like it's going to be a nice night. Uh, I guess there is a little bit of excitement in like, hey, a change has been made. Uh, the spirits can still rally into uh, you know into a nice performance and and end the season off right. Um, there couldn't be. I'm not going to say which. I'm not going to say which player said it, but a player that I talked to at Audi at the, at the media day said that Portland's like the like the privileged children of, <laughs> of the NWSL, and uh, and I can tell that they're I could tell that they're, they couldn't have a better uh, opponent for this game when it came when it comes to motivating them to show up and and win. Um, with some of with with how uh, some of them feel, um, it sounded like from the media day, Jason, and I think you'd agree that they all seemed. Um, you know, we, we I even specifically asked, like, "Hey, it's been a disappointing season. Um, is this is this just hype you up a little bit?" And they they agreed that it does. Um, do do you see the spirits with the week that they've had, with the season that they've had, with the season uh, that Portland has had? Did the spirit have a shot to upset here? Uh, I think if you look back at the spirits previous games with Portland, um, they've been fairly close. Um, Jim Gabara actually at that same press conference did mention that um, he felt like the thorns were a good matchup for the spirit and that they've done reasonably well against them. And I think that's true. You know, they, they lost a tight game, one, nothing at the Plex. They, went to um, Portland and got a 1-1 draw early in the season. Um, I think they know how to frustrate this Portland team. Um, and, you know, that day, uh, the media day, was the first time I'd been around the team. After You know, I'd been to a bunch of post games, so it's it's hard to, you know, when the season goes like this, you're seeing people after a bad result and they're not going to be particularly happy. Um, this was the first time I'd been around the group where everyone looked like they were having a nice day um, because, you know, it was kind of a, a, a pure event. It's, you know, let's go tour the stadium. Let's go look around all this stuff. It's pretty cool. Um, and I, you know, I think at that time 
I was thinking to myself that, you know, maybe this is the emotional lift they need to get out of the doldrums a little bit. Um, but then the Houston game happened um, a, a few days later. So um, I, I do think they're in a better place mentally. You know, the the loss last night, um, it felt not I wouldn't say that they was they, they I don't think they played well, but I think it was more of a normal 2018 spirit performance rather than a a follow up to the Houston game, which means they did make some progress um, in a short amount of time. They did get get it together a little bit. Um, I think I I get the vibe that that the occasion is going to bring more out of them. Um, I think especially for the local players, um, they seem very excited about this. The players that are from this area um, seem hyped up about it. Um, But yeah, I, I think that they do have a shot if that's the case, if they are in a good place mentally and, and can execute some of those, you know, some of the concepts they've done in the past against Portland that have been effective. Um, the fact that I, I think, um, after the game, Tom Torres said they want to get, um, 75 minutes from Lavelle and 75 minutes from Pew if they can. Um, so, you know, in that case, you you don't necessarily have them worrying about having to get subbed off at halftime or, or what have you. Um, I think if all those things fall into place, they do have a shot at this um, because I, I think the Thorns haven't been all that convincing lately either. If you watch their game against Chicago, um, they looked kind of shaky in the back. They were down two nothing and then they they did come back. Um, but it was more individual play rather than the team being excellent. Um so I, I think there are some, you know, I, I think they're going to, I think the Thorns are going to get in, or they did clinch their playoff spot. Um, but I, I think they're going to be a strong matchup for the teams they play in the playoffs. But at the same time, there's something that happens the last couple of years where the Spirit haven't been very good and the Thorns have been among the favorites. And yet the games have been pretty close most of the time. Um, so I think if the Spirit can keep... Um, keep that aspect of it you know bring some of what they've learned from those past games into this one then they can keep it uh tight against the thorns they they you know they they might also benefit from the fact that portland had to play um they've been having that smog or or that um smoke from the wildfires out there their air quality has been very bad and they've got to travel out um you know they played their game ended after the spirits and they've got to make it all the way across country uh to play on such a quick turnaround so either you know, if, if Mark Parsons fields his best 11, the, the group that that played on Wednesday, then you have to expect they're going to be more tired than the spirit. And if he decides, well, we've clinched a playoff spot, I've got no reason to push those players and risk some injuries. So I'm going to rotate. Then you're not getting the best version of the thorns. And that also gives the spirit um, a better chance because they're facing players that aren't quite as good as as the normal starters. So um, the circumstances, I think, are kind of tough on the thorns that there's also the possibility that they overlook the spirit. Um, so yeah, I, I do think, you know, the NWSL is a strange league. I mean, sky blue came, uh, you know, 30 extra seconds of stoppage time that, that kind of came out of nowhere, um, from getting a win, uh, you know, over Utah in a game that Utah had to have. Um, we see weird results in this league a lot yeah, outside of North Carolina. You, you see North Carolina, you say, okay, they're just going to win cause they just beat everybody. Um, but after that, you, you see some, some oddball games, um, and maybe that, you know, bizarre NWSL happenstance where the, the parody in the league does mean that even a very, you know, a team having a very bad season, 
um, has a legitimate chance. I mean, Portland, now that I think about it, Portland has also tied Sky Blue at home this year. So, um, yeah, there, there's definitely – I think it's more than just, well, everyone's got a shot when the game starts. I think there is a little more to it than that in this one. Um, but I do think a lot of it hinges on is this team able to sort of put the season to the side and just um, – find their best soccer for 90 minutes um, and say like, it doesn't matter, you know, the other games um, it's all, it has nothing to do with tonight. Let's just play for tonight and do our very best tonight. And, and, you know, get some of that weight off their shoulders. I think this team could use um, just some, some fun and some, something positive um, play with a little bit more of a smile on their faces. Uh, You kind of see the weight on their shoulders, the way the season's gone. And if they can find a way to shift some of that off, then I, th- I think they do have a shot at being a, a problem for the Thorns. I know that as an organization, uh, the Thorns are not their favorite team in the world. <laughs> so um, I'm sure that there's also something within the locker room that's, you know, let's make the Thorns life more difficult. Um, you know, Portland's trying to get a home playoff game um, and, you know, set themselves up for a possible home playoff game followed by a home NWSL final if they get that far. Um, and I'm sure the spirit would like to make them at least have to go travel to Seattle in that two, three game. So, um, I'm sure they're going to give a, a strong effort. I'm sure that everyone in the organization knows how important it is to make a good impression in this game. Um, it was abundantly clear on media day, how much that, um, that side of it is out there as well. Um, so yeah, I think we're going to see an elevated effort. Uh, I just, I think a lot of it still continue, hinges on their mentality uh, when the game comes around. If they're not mentally in a better place than they were last week, uh, then Portland's probably still going to win the game fairly easily because they've they're on a roll, they're in a, a good place. Um, but you know, if the spirit can pull it together for for one game and and get over the rest of their season. Uh, I think they can actually give the Timbers some trouble. They've done it before, and and this is a big occasion, and hopefully they do it again. Yeah. I think uh, if there was any reason to believe that maybe the that maybe the thorns don't that like lay, let off the gas a little bit, uh, one, they did, you know, like I said, they, they clinched the playoff spot. Uh, they would have to win uh, two games, or I guess technically they, they could um, – what win and draw, and then somehow win in the goal differential to uh, to overcome Seattle. Um, but it's you know it's it's one thing to try to get home field advantage when the when the alternative is flying to Orlando, and the other like you know like not I know that everybody wants to play at home, but um, I guess if I'm in the Pacific Northwest, I you know I would trust that my fan like our fan base would show up uh, to to the other game. Portland still has to go on to play Seattle after this game, mm-hmm. um, and so not that you not that they wouldn't play to win, but oh, and also, you know, we have heard there have been a couple stories in the past couple of years of some snarky comments made between Jim Gabera and Parsons, um, ones that would make me think that Parsons would always be trying to sort of out out do, like show up. Uh, Jim Gearbearer or vice versa. That's not going to be this, the, the scenario here. Um, all that to say, I would not. I would not be surprised if the Thorns get an early goal, let off the gas to make sure that their players are healthy for the game against Seattle, um, and are um, are okay with the idea of a draw. 
um, because the draw and the win, uh, you know. But uh, but right. but you know, if they win in, if they win against Washington, then they can settle a draw against Seattle if they have the go- if the goal differentials right. So um, mm-hmm. who knows? Anyway, so anyway, it should be a good game. Anybody who's looking to hang out with the Spear Squadron for uh, for some pregame, for some, uh, I, I, I guess they call it tailgating, but it's going to be in a building. Um, they're going to be at it's Bardo. In, it's like an open yard. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, that's 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 fair, right? Bar- so they're going to be open Bardo's yard. A, Bardo's like a property, but it's not really a building. Um, it looks oh, like okay. a former. Um, it almost looks like a scrapyard. It's like a scrapyard themed open outdoor bar place. Well, perfect. Well, that is where the Spirit Squads are going to be. Um, they're starting at 3 p.m., uh, so five hours before kickoff is when they're starting. So if you show up, pace yourself. Um, <laughs> but I will hopefully show up for at least an hour or two before I head over to the stadium. Um, Bardo Brewing. Uh, and, Jason, how far do you think it is? A few blocks? How far away yeah, is it? Yeah, it's within view of the stadium. Um, it's not. Uh, maybe only three blocks. I want to say off the top of my head, um, okay. it's not far at all. It's 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 the closest. If I'm not mistaken, it's the closest bar or restaurant or anything really um, to the stadium. Everything else is a little further up. So it's it's okay. a as good a spot to uh, tailgate as there is down there. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, um, I will be there. I'll be at the game, Jason. I know you will be at the game. Um, anybody looking to support the podcast, support the the outlet to follow your spirit, patreon.com slash follow your spirit. Half of what we get from the Patreon during this season goes to Jordan Small's tuition. Uh, I fail to say this. Uh, I know I announced it at like, the beginning of the season, and I forget to like say it. If you all the at the at the end of um, I guess when uh, when the October first pledges go through, I will then take all the pledges that have gone on from the beginning of the season through October first, and half of that's going to Jordan Small and her education because she's a fine young woman uh, who is doing amazing things in journalism, and we want to do everything we can to support her. Um, and for those waiting around for the third T-shirt design from Fall Year Spirit, um, I just recently spoke to Aubrey Bledsoe and finally and got confirmation that she is down. For a t-shirt. Jason, we're making a t-shirt for Aubrey Bledsoe. Excellent. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. We've been talking about it all year. Um, it, will, it probably won't, uh, you know, car, all the cards on the table, it probably won't come out until after the Spirits season's done, but we hope for it to be out and order and made for order and, order and deliver before the NWSL season's done. So um, I know I'm, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm barely getting across the finish line on this one, but I want, uh, but it's going to happen, I promise. Jason, we've been talking to each other for about an hour. I did not expect that, but I do appreciate <laughs> you hanging out with me and taking time out of your busy schedule because you also covered DC United um, to to hang out with me, talk some spirit soccer, uh, and hopefully we get to have you on maybe uh, in the off season. Should some big news hit, you, me, and Jordan, maybe we even get Jennifer in here. We'll do a big roundtable on the spirit. I would love to. Uh, anytime that you guys want to have me on, I'll come out in a. Uh, I'll uh, talk about the spirit uh, pretty much to anyone. Uh, this is kind of what I do with my spare time. Uh, is if you want to talk about people kicking a ball around, I'm interested. Yo, how do you do? You get people. I don't know. I don't know what your day job is, but like, do people do people like kind of look at you funny when you say you're in a women's soccer? 
Uh, at this point, like, there are enough things that are odd about <laughs> me uh, that that's not even, like, that doesn't get a second glance. It's like, all right, fine. Um, it's, it's uh, you know, uh, I just, uh, I do what I do, and uh, if, if other people uh, have any questions, I, I'll answer them, but, you yeah. know, I'm not going to uh, change. So, you know, at this point, everyone's just sort of like, all right, Jason, whatever. Yeah. I only ask because when when people at my work learn that I'm in the women's soccer, the 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 morons make some stupid joke about it, right? And then I sure. get on my I get on my soapbox and educate them about how women's soccer is probably better and more entertaining than whatever BS that they're talking about. So, uh, anyways, Jason, uh, thank you. You are I don't remember what what is your Twitter handle again? Uh, my Twitter handle is weird. It kind of comes back to what we just said. Um, <laughs> It's at ChestRockwell14. Uh, I tried to come up with one that was more my name, and I tried for about 30 seconds, and there were too many Jasons and too many Andersons, and I gave up. So now I've got this going on for like a decade. <laughs> Very well. There it is. Jason Anderson for Blackbird United. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm Tim Lawson. We'll hopefully get Jordan Small in after the game at Audi Field. Hopefully we'll be talking about at least a draw, if not a win. How exciting would that be? Uh, but we will be back for that. Uh, Jason, it's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot.